0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Curtis, for those words, and Patty, and and Lydia, and, and others already, you know. Oh, what do you say, you know? As I I see Mrs. Plord's picture there, and date of birth and a date of death, <clears throat> and a life summed up by the dash in the middle, you know? We take a few moments out of a person's life to look at it, and and I've gotten to know her even better in the last few days as I've been talking to people that, that knew her and were even closer than, than we were. And um, My wife and I came to this church in 2014, and we were familiar with the church. We I grew up here in the valley, but uh, I certainly am familiar with valley hospitality and, and uh, all of that, and the dinner table is an important aspect of the French culture, that's for sure. I didn't get this way alone, just so you know. (laughs) But early, even before we officially moved here, um, she was one of, Mrs. Plourd was one of the first people, persons that came to us and said, we want to have you over for lunch. And that was a common thing. She did that many times over. I I count a few extra pounds on me today because of her cooking. And every time we went to her her house, uh, even for a visit, she always had something she'd pull out, and, and it was usually sweet and good, and always that way, and uh, I think of her hospitality more than anything, and her generosity in that aspect, and, and of course getting to know Leonard as well, and and then watching the struggle that went on when he is, his mind began to fail, and um, she began to lose him slowly. In many ways, we, we lost her quicker. It was just a week ago, I she was here at our Christmas Eve service, and in the morning as well. And she was walking out that back door, and I said, "Merry Christmas!" You know, and many, many people hugged her on that that night. What a lot of us didn't understand is that she was in a hard spot, a dark spot in her life. And can I just tell you that sometimes as we age and 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 as we go through life and, and things pile on us and things get taken away from us and those kind of things and stripped away, often not of our own choosing, but maybe just our health, sometimes the darkness crowds in. And the family wanted me to mention that today is that they wanted to address that and that the last probably a few months of her life, she was really struggling with depression. She was struggling with a change of roles, some... Things that she felt were, you know, doubts creeping in. Those kind of things. I had those conversations with her, and we'd go back to the Word of God, and we'd look at the Bible, and we'd we'd encourage one another, and others visited her and talked with her, and and then this week she passed, and many of us are 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 now saying, oh, oh you know, why so suddenly? Why this? Why that? And Sometimes the why is just going to be there. We don't know really what goes on in the mind at the end. And we don't know a lot of things. I do know what waits the believer. And may I just encourage you this morning, this afternoon that is, with what the Bible tells us. And one thing I know of Joanne Plord is that she knew the Savior. She loved him. Many times didn't feel adequate, you know. Had that idea of of the guilt of her sin. And yet, when I look back at her life, she was a saint. (laughs) Did so much. And yet, resting in the person of Christ, whether we rest in that or not, Jesus doesn't change. He is the one that holds her now, as that song says. And he's the one that began to hold her when she trusted him so many years ago and began that journey of faith and walking with him. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 8, says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Can I encourage you this morning, this afternoon with this, that God is for you. (laughs) He's not against you. He's not against you. you. You might think, oh yeah, well, you don't know my life. My life's been tough. And maybe you blame God. I don't know. But he's anything but against you. Unless you fight against him, you'll never prevail. But he's for you. You say, how much is he for me? Well, he's for me in that he sent his only begotten son to a cross where he would be crucified and die in your place, in my place, in Joanne's place. The message of the gospel as and Curtis said so much today in in that short time it just amazing God who is the great I am the all-existent one the one who is outside of he inhabits eternity he's outside of time we have time we have a date of birth and a date of death and time or days in between some some long lives and some short lives but Eternity is forever and ever, and God inhabits eternity. You know that? He goes on, Paul writes here, he says, who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. That's everybody. Every man, woman, and child. Every person of every ethnicity, every background. He's a savior to all who will receive him. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? You know, one of the things that was going on in Mrs. Plord's mind, I think, in the last months, is that she had this idea that she certainly couldn't be worthy enough. And we would go back to the Bible, and she certainly heard that from people around her. And sometimes doubts do creep in. We always have those doubts. They're in there. And the darkness creeps in on people. And this is a hard time of year for many people. Very hard. Sometimes remembering back to better times or the loss of loved ones or struggles and then on compounded on that, sometimes our bodies start to go and all those different things and the mind plays tricks on us. And But can I tell you, those are all charges against God's elect. But who can bring those charges? It is God who justifies. That's what the answer to that is. You see, it's not... Me holding on to Christ, it's Christ holding on to me. And it's a good thing because I could never hold on to him enough. And I could never have gotten to heaven enough. And neither could Joanne Plourd gotten to heaven on her own. The Bible tells us there's not any good works that merit his grace. Grace is freely given this way from him. (laughs) And we just need to receive that gift of salvation that was paid for when jesus hung on the cross he said it is finished and that meant he paid for every sin every sin the small things that we count small and the big things that all of us who like to be judgmental judge people on and and the every sin in between jesus died for those sins and we need only come to him and he promises to justify, to forgive. And that word justification and justify, it literally means to be declared righteous. That's what it means. And it's a declaration that is a one-time thing that carries future consequences. Think about that. When we receive Jesus Christ by faith, he justifies us. Joanne Plored was justified by faith. The Bible goes on to say this. Who is He who condemns. Sometimes people condemn. We have an enemy, the devil, he likes to condemn. He's a liar and the father of it. Of all lies. Our own bodies condemn us. Sometimes our own mind condemns us. And and we say, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. And yes, that is true. We aren't worthy and we aren't good enough. But his grace is sufficient. But it goes on to say, Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. See, it's back on him. And furthermore, is also risen. See, if death would have held Christ, and and the cross would have been it, and if he stayed on that cross, and and he wasn't resurrected on that third day, death would have won. And sin would have won. Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's the payment for sin. And, And we live in a world that's filled with sin. And we are sinners in that world. God broke through all that. and He entered into our world. We just celebrated Christmas. That's the Christmas story. It's that God inhabited human flesh. The incarnation. Emmanuel, the name given and describing of Christ back in the book of Isaiah, hundreds of years before that baby in the manger was born. God declared him to be Emmanuel. Literally, God with us. So we couldn't come to God on our own, but he came to us. I'm glad we have such a savior. Furthermore, is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God. And that's the honored place among the triune God. Who also makes intercession for us. We need someone to make intercession for us. You see, I, I can't intercede before you. Now, I will tell you of Mrs. Plore, she, she was an intercessory prayer warrior. I mean that. And she prayed for so many. And I, and I think we have probably very little knowledge of all that. But she spent hours in prayer. And, and yet, she felt as she aged in, in the last months that she was having a hard time praying. But there comes a time when we need intercession. And we need it all the time. We have an intercessor. The Bible says there is one mediator between man and God. The man Christ Jesus. One mediator. And it's Christ. Everyone else fails. But God never fails. He intercedes on your behalf and my behalf. And when you trust Him as your Savior, He will intercede for eternity And it's a good thing because if he ever stopped, we would not be saved. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That's a good question too, right? What could separate you from him? What could separate you? You know, people wonder about that. Is You know, some bad thing comes along. Does that separate us? Some financial ruin? Some relational thing that's failed? Some health issue that's come up? I mean, we can talk about all those things and that's not what we're here to talk about. Paul covers it though. He says, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Did you catch that? We're more than conquerors through him. Not through me. There's a day when I thought I was really strong, you know, and that I could, I could, you know, jump high and land and still go on. Now I find I jump high and things don't land right. And next day I'm walking like Curtis, you know. Uh, we, life has a humbling effect on us, doesn't it? It's a good thing he's the conqueror of all things. He goes on, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The bottom line is this, there's nothing that can separate the believer from the love of Christ. Even if you don't feel that love anymore. Even if the darkness crowds in. And these things plague us at times. It doesn't change his unending, unconditional love. Oh, I'm thankful for that. And I cling to that today. And I hope you do as well. You know, the Bible goes on to say this. In Revelation chapter 21, we're given a glimpse of heaven. Heaven. That's really what's described here as the Apostle John receives this vision from God and is told to write. And in nearing the end of that last book of the Bible, he uses these last chapters to talk about heaven. He goes on to say, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And all I'll comment on that is that heaven is likened to the beauty of a bride on her wedding day. Think about that. Beauty. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. The very dwelling place of God is with people. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And I love this. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he, the one who's doing the speaking is Jesus. He's identified in chapter 1 and all through the book. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. He goes on in that chapter and through the next chapter to describe further detail in in a way that we can't even fully understand. Neither did John when he was receiving that. You cannot experience heaven until you're really there. And any words that we attempt to describe heaven about would pale in comparison. But I want to just say this, and I'm going to use a quick uh, uh, pull out of this verse 5 of Revelation 21, where it says, Behold, I make all things new. As we talked earlier, you know, as you age and as you uh, go through life, uh, things wear out. Not only the things that we we have, you know, sometimes I have to get new clothes because the old ones just don't fit anymore, or they wore out, or whatever else. But the body wears out. The mind wears out. Many things wear out, but in heaven, you see He makes all things new new again. That's why He can say there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more tears. The Lord gives us several new things. And the first one we've already talked about with Joanne Plored, he gave her a new birth. Curtis explained earlier about sin and original sin. You see, our first birth, we were born in Adam's race. Adam back in the garden in Genesis. And though you might have come from a good family, I think the Plords are a great family. Absolutely. And they're extended family. And Joanne married into a great family when she married Leonard. But I have to tell you, and I hope this doesn't dishonor you, but it's not a perfect family. And I'm not, because I'm keeping notes. Because if you look at my family, you'll find the same thing. We are dysfunctional at some level everywhere. That's the way we are. We're in Adam's race, and we're in a race of sinners. And the first birth wasn't good enough. That first birth leads to death. That's why people die. The wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord Amen. and that second part of that Romans 6 verse which I just quoted that is really where it's at you see you need another 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 birth and Jesus said this in John 3 he was answering a man named Nicodemus and he said most assuredly I say to you unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of God you see, without a second birth, which is a birth from above, a birth that is a spiritual birth. That's what it is. That's what the word born again means. And it occurs when a sinner recognizes their sin and places their faith in the Savior. And to do that, there's an aspect of turning from what, the direction we're going, which is lost and destruction in hell, and turning to heaven and him. It's called Repentance. And we turn from our sin to embrace him, and he embraces us, and he doesn't let go. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, when Joanne Plord believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, she was given, present tense, everlasting life. And it's always that way. (laughs) I'm thankful for that. Later on in that same chapter of John, in his gospel, he says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. You see, we're by default born into a family that is sinners, right? Adam's race. And by default, the wrath of God abides on us because sin has to be punished by a holy God. Or else it wouldn't be really true justice. But God gave us a way out. And He did so by believing in the Son. Trusting Him. Again, back there in John 3.16 it says that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life and that's the simple message of salvation it's about trusting that's what the word faith really means trusting and it's about trusting him not just for maybe the money in your bank account or or some you know uh, something you're 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 wanting and lots of people pray for things like that but it's deeper than that it's praying and saying lord i need To be saved from my sin. And he's promised to give us everlasting life in that. Oh, I'm thankful for that. Well, he gives a new birth, but he also gives a new body. And I won't dwell on this too much other than to say this. That you see, when we are absent from this body in death, for the believer, we are now present with the Lord And it is not destined to just be this disembodied soul, spirit, wandering around like a ghost. That isn't at all what the Bible teaches. Sometimes we have funny thoughts on the afterlife, and that's just our imagination. If you want to go back to what the afterlife is like, read the Bible. God revealed it to us. And you know what he says through the Apostle Paul, again, in Philippians chapter 3, he says, For our citizenship is in heaven. From which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able to even to subdue all things to himself. (laughs) Wow. He promises to give us a new body. And, And there's lots of scriptures that deal with the resurrection of the body. To be reunited with our soul and our spirit And it won't be like this old body. It's going to be a better body, a perfect body, like his glorious body. That's also the hope that a Christian has, the resurrection. Because of the resurrection of Christ, he's going to resurrect us as well. Paul writes in Romans 6, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Amen. Third thing, he also gives, and will, as he says, I make all things new, a new creation. You see, the creation we live in is a, is a world that, though it can be very beautiful at times, we know that you don't have to look too far in the news, that it also can be a pretty, pretty hard place, hurtful place, scary place. Lots of uncertainties, and the lists abound with those things. And if you're a pessimist, this is the world to live in. But let me tell you something. Jesus says, I make all things new. And that will include also creation. And it says this in Romans 8, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. You know what? In heaven, nothing will ever decay. Nothing will ever wear out. The brain won't ever get foggy again or play tricks on us. There won't be anything to depress us. You're not going to be cold. You're not going to be hot. You know, not that we won't sense things. I think that we'll be far more alive than we ever were down here in the glorified body that will be given to us. But I will tell you this, that all of creation today groans for that redemption, that purchase. And as creation itself is under the curse of sin, someday it will be renewed completely. And then lastly, he gives a new relationship. A new relationship. You see, it's all about who you know. Not just what you did, but who you know. Because it's him. In Galatians, Colossians chapter 1, Paul writes, We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ and of your love for all the saints. Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. I mentioned Joanne Plored and her love for the the brethren, the saints, the the church, the, the stranger, the she listen, she was a very hospitable person. That love is reflected In where your heart is. And she hoped for heaven. And as the days go on, that hope of heaven grows more and more, doesn't it? Again, in Colossians chapter 3, it says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God that 's the great thing about that, you know, down here, we who are alive will remember um, each other and maybe her as well, and we we can look back and someday we 're not going to be here either, and there won 't be people to remember us the same way, but it doesn 't really matter in this way because your life if you 're a Christian, is hidden in Christ in God, you know all those bad things that people remember you know until you outlive them. <laughs> covered. It's in Christ. His death was enough to pay for that sin of any sin. And we have a hope in that thing. And look what it goes on to say. When Christ who is our life appears then you also will appear with him in glory. That's the hope of the believer. And I can stand here This afternoon, and I can, with hope in my heart, know this, that I'm going to see Joanne Plourid again someday. And I'm going to see her Savior face to face. And I look forward to that time. Do you know him? Do you know the Savior? Today would be the best day to ever introduce yourself to him and say, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need salvation. You can do that. And may I just invite you, if you want to know more about that, I'm around. There's family members around. We'd love to talk to you some more about that. My friends, I I wish I could say more again about Mrs. Plourd. I think her life speaks volumes to us, and she's left us a tremendous example. And I would just say to her family again, our, our deepest condolences in a time of loss, but also the joy... And hope that awaits all of us. And I trust you follow him as she did. Let's pray. Lord we're grateful again. Grateful for your ever present help in time of need. Thank you O God for the payment for sin which is enough for all sin. We need only receive that gift of forgiveness. And we just rest in that today and we thank you for it.